and Dr. Dua in this we, we're heading into November now and into December and January, February it's getting colder and colder and darker and darker and in Denmark we tend and Malmö we tend to just dip a little bit and some will often feel that there is a winter depression coming or they would be a little bit fearful of the winter depression because that's what they've been discovered before and what how do we need to respond in this season like how can we um, how can we prepare ourselves for the darkness so the darkness stay outside and we keep the light inside like what would be some some useful tips for us getting into this darker season Welcome to This Is Us podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Hansen, and my wife and I have the honor of serving alongside an amazing team as lead pastors of Hillsong Church in Denmark and Malmö. This podcast is a collection of short episodes regarding life, leadership, and culture. If you haven't done so already, please click follow and subscribe. And as always, if you find this to be valuable, feel free to share it with others. The number one thing we all do, Jesus said this, is Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your might, all your will. Another version says that. So it's like, let everything in you love the Lord your God, then love your neighbor as yourself. So you've got to love yourself. So part of your journey before you even do anything to do with purpose, maybe to actually start to love yourself, look after yourself, stop saying negative words about yourself to yourself. It could be that you're Part of your journey to follow your purpose is to actually start loving your husband or your wife or sh- being showing affection to your children, showing respect to them. So as God does all of that because of the word in you, purpose will come. Okay, so that I would say that's the number one thing. And then the second thing would be to just look at what can you already do, what gifting, what skill do you already have? Are you a great musician? Uh, do you have the ability to speak? Speak up when you're in meetings where you just somehow intuitively know that you need to say something because someone else is saying something that's wrong. Well, maybe you're called to be an advocate or a lawyer. Um, do you have a heart for poor people, for the helpless, the homeless? Okay, so it's also about checking within yourself to see what do you have, what skills do you have, what abilities do you have, and then start to pursue those so the whole idea of being a good steward of what you've already got what have you got in your hand do that to your best because when God can trust you with what you have already got he will then start opening doors for you for greater impact greater greater influence and then you'll find that actually without you even realizing it you're actually living out your purpose because it becomes satisfying it becomes something that it's not just following your purpose, but you're following your passion. Okay, so that's the, that's the second thing. Um, and then a third thing I would say is to ask other people. You know, and uh, in our connect groups from time to time, what we do is we just go around the room and we just say, hey, see what you, or, t- or share within the group, what you see on this other person's life. Maybe choose the person next to you. Just spend one minute on what you see are some wonderful qualities or a gift that they have. And those can be very insightful moments because it may be that you just didn't see something about you or you just overlooked it or you dismissed it. But someone else may look at you and say, well, actually, I see this on your life. And this is also where prophetic gifts are very important. You know, 
we're all supposed to embrace prophetic gifts, uh, sorry, spiritual gifts in the church and really operate in them. And one of the spiritual gifts is a prophetic gift. And it doesn't mean that you have to always have a prophet who comes to the house and calls us out. Many of us have prophetic gifts and we just don't even realize it. But a prophetic gift would be that I look over at somebody and I just sense that they've got something on their life, a calling, a purpose that they probably had never even seen. Um, in my own life, many years ago, I was in a prophetic meeting. So my husband and I, what we always like to do is as often as we can, we like to go to meetings where there's uh, or a conference where there's a speaker or somebody who we feel would help us to grow. So some years ago, I've visited, uh, we visited this lady who's very well known across Europe. She operates in the office of a prophet. And anyway, we remember we went to her meeting and there were about 200 people in the room. And then she was doing a time of ministry. And then she just said, oh, that lady over there in the pink T-shirt, can you stand up? And that was me. And I was wow. so excited. And then she went on to say a few different things. But one thing she said, which stuck, struck such a chord with me in that moment. So this was before I did any of the things that I'm doing now, which is teaching on mental health and things. She said, God is giving you the, ki the gift of making complicated things simple. Wow. And later on, I just realized... Ah, that's what I love to do. I love to explain to people things to do with the body, the brain, in a way that they understand it. And so she had recognized that through God's power, but she was calling it out. But when she called that out, that birthed something in me, like a desire to flow more fully into that in a way that I hadn't given time to do. So really, from then on, I would say I started to really do that more intentionally and started doing some teaching and so on. So I'm just saying that that's another way to find your purpose is to get yourself to different meetings. Mm. If you hear there's a prophet coming to speak in a nearby church, go there and just say, God, you know, could I have a word tonight? Yeah. And just dare to ask God. Yeah. Yeah. But bring it right back to home. You know, in your connect groups, there could be opportunities where you you know, the group members just spend an evening just praying and prophesying over, over each other and just trusting that God is going to give some words to help people find their purpose. That's beautiful. And then just one more step I'd say to help yeah. us get our purpose is actually I find that many people need healing of, of situations in life such as disappointments, such as traumas, such as fear, which, if unattended to, unresolved, can actually block our purpose, can cause us to even ig ignore or push down even as whatever God is trying to do to awaken purpose in you. It's like we just say no. We just don't want to go there. And uh, I have a, t a testimony I'll share with you now of somebody who, because of prayer, purpose reawakened in them. So it's a girl in our church, so this is in our, my home church, Equippers in London, and she had uh, been one on our program that we have in our church. It's called the Advanced Program, but it's actually like an internship. So she had given a year to this, so she's a, a God girl, 
she wanted to serve God. She wanted to do everything for God that she uh, could do. And so she ha had invested her time, her energy into serving into the church for a year. But part of that was that she would be required to travel. So there was a plan coming up for people, all the uh, young girls and boys in that program to travel to another country in Europe to go on some kind of mission field work. She knew this was coming up and she was dreading it. Okay, She did not want to go on that airplane. So let's look at it like this. She, you could say that God had a purpose for her in the whole area of ministry and mission. But this dread, this fear of traveling was blocking that. Now she had two choices. She could have just said, I'm not going, end of story. Or she could have said, which is what she did, I need some help here because I don't want to keep giving into this fear. So what she did was she came to me, she asked me and she said, could I just help her with this issue of not wanting to travel on a plane? And basically what she said was every time I travel, whether it's in a car, especially car long distance or a plane, or the thought of even going to the plane, I physically feel sick and I am sick. So I can't go imagine myself in a plane and being sick. I just don't want to go there. So basically, she came, not for advice or anything like that. She came because she knew that I would pray. Okay, so basically, we prayed. We just said, Holy Spirit, can you show us what's going on? Where did this fear, this dread of travel come in? And as we prayed and just went silent, suddenly she had a memory of a time when she was a little girl and she was traveling in the car with her dad and she'd just been sick. We don't know why. She can't remember why. But what she does remember is that her, she, her dad found out that she'd been sick. He stopped the car and he shouted at her so loudly that she was so mortified. She was so scared, overwhelmed with fear. Oh, wow. And at what she had just done. Okay? So that was the memory that she had. So what I've learned is we don't analyze the, the memory and we don't say to ourselves, oh, what a bad dad he was. He shouldn't have shouted at her. No, we don't know. We're not, we were, none of us were in that situation. You know, we don't know why right. the dad got annoyed. But we're not here to judge. No. But what we say is, okay, the Holy Spirit is giving us some information to help this young girl get rid of this fear. And so... All we did was we just took a, took a few moments and we just said, I asked this girl, could you just say this? Can you just say, I forgive my dad for the way in which he reacted to me being sick. And I speak to every fear of travel that came into me at that time. I rebuke it and I tell it to get out of my life in the name of Jesus. Wow. That's all she did. And then... I said to her, now, fear, because fear has been so strong in your life, you need the opposite to be now f a sown into your brain, to be fed into your brain. So go and find a whole lot of scriptures on the opposite of fear or the removal of fear or faith, whatever you're led to do, and just meditate on those, declare those. Because if, there's, if that thought of travel tries to come uh, come up with a dread to it, you just say, no, I don't want you. I, 
renounce you, get out of me. So basically I was teaching us some uh, principles of spiritual warfare. That's all it is. It's just like saying, no, 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 get out. So she did that for just a couple of weeks. And then she just felt like, I feel like I want to book a ticket, an aeroplane okay. ticket to this country that I'm, we're all going to travel to. Long story short, she booked the ticket. The next thing I know, she's messaging me from the aeroplane saying, I'm just about to take off. I feel fantastic. I feel so excited. Praise God. And so she was able to fly there, fly back, no problems at all. And so that's just one testimony of how wow. prayer can remove the very thing that's blocking you from your purpose. And many times we don't know what's at the root of that issue. If we don't do, don't know, just ask the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's ready and willing to tell us. I love that. Can I just sum up to tools to find your purpose? The first one you mentioned were read your Bible, talk to God, pray. And I can't help but you, you said um, if you just focus on your purpose and trying hard in your own strength to find your purpose, you're almost like um, going around God to find your purpose, but you need to look to God to find your purpose because he has planted it, the purpose in you, in your heart and in you already. I think that is that you, it was just such a little line you said, but that was mass, that was really, really gold. Um, so read your Bible, look to God, see what's in your hands. That's the number two. See what's in your hands and in your heart um, and discover what that is. And the third one was ask the people around you, ask your friends, ask your connect group, find people that know you and love you that can help stir, stir it up and point it out and go go to meetings. If you know uh, there's a prophet in town or if there is a ministry moments, like s seek it out, go find it. And um, and then the fifth one was, if is there anything blocking? Yes, the fourth one. Or I suppose, yes, the fifth one, if you say this, the meetings. Yeah, four or, four or five. <laughs> but also check out if there's anything blocking it. Is there, because that's a, uh, if you can't travel and you, your purpose is to go somewhere, that's hard and that's an obvious blockage. So figure out what's blocking it and ask the Holy Spirit for advice. Yeah. Yes. Was that correctly summed up? Yes. Perfect. Yes. So another question for you when it comes to purpose. We have, um, some of us know that we know our purpose. We know our purpose is to build church, is to build God's kingdom uh, as a volunteer. And we're doing it volunteeringly because we have, uh, we, we might have a job, another full-time job or something else. And we have a family and we have friends. We have all these things. But we know that one of our purposes in life is to build God's kingdom. And we know as long as there are more people on the street that we pass than there is in church, like that more people that we pass on our way to church that there is in church, we know that there's still work to be done. So that part, with all the things we can do and we want to do, that can sometimes feel overwhelming. So how, how can we balance the whole... I know that my purpose is to build church and build God's kingdom, but I also need to... To, to work my other job or my normal job that actually brings income and I need to look after my family and my friends and all of that. 
what happens when we feel that our our purpose is draining us and is causing stress in our life? How can we uh, how can we balance that? Yeah, so I would say that you we need to make sure that we've got our priorities correct. Yeah. So a number pr- number one priority is just our own life with God, our fellowship with God, our communion with Him, you know, reading His Word and prayer. But our second priority is actually our family. So spouse, if you have one, children, if you have children, but just looking after your family. We're supposed to care and provide for our nearest and dearest. And then actually, I believe that the, after that comes work. Because God talks again and again about that he gives seed to the sower and it's about things like tithing and giving into the storehouse. All of those things need us to work, to be in a place where we receive money, receive finances to put into the kingdom. Okay, so I think people sometimes forget that actually work, and I'm talking about work where you are paid, paid work is very important. So you've got to make sure that you do that Diligently, you do that well. You don't uh, shirk on that work. You don't kind of cut corners there because you think, oh, I should be doing things for church or voluntary things. Okay, so make sure you do your work properly. Give honor to your employers. Make sure that you are you have a good reputation with them because they, if, especially if they're not in God's kingdom yet, they can judge you or assess you and uh, assess our God based on how you're behaving. So if you're slapdash, if you're sloppy at work, if you're rude, if you take time off, that doesn't um, give a good testimony of God, God's kingdom, of Jesus. Okay, so make sure you do that well. So now when it comes to church life and volunteering, um, a very good passage that I think can be helpful is found in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. In the message version, especially, it says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then it goes on to say, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So really just a couple of things to pick out there. It's talking there about burned out on religion. So in my experience of um, being in church for many years and having experience of many different churches, if you feel that somehow you are trying to please God or impress God or um, get some brownie points with God by serving in church, you're going to head for disaster, okay? Because what you're trying to do is to work so hard as a volunteer that you will burn yourself out because you don't know when to say no. It's like it'll be never enough. And this thing, uh, this passage where it says burned out on religion, you know, religion drives you. It drives you to appease God, to please God, to earn some points with him. And you, we try and do that by just serving, serving, serving all hours of the day, all hours of the night. We don't put our boundaries of knowing when to say no. So if you look at this uh, scripture again, Jesus talks about these 
unforced rhythms of grace. Walk with me and work with me. So if you look at Jesus' own life, you could see that there were times when he worked hard. You know, he went without sleep on certain occasions. He prayed all night. He was preaching to the multitudes. But you also see times when he withdrew from the crowd. He would, he would go off somewhere to a quiet place. So we see that from, from Jesus' life. And Jesus wasn't married, so he didn't have a family. Okay, That was not his call. That was not what was his purpose. But even then, he showed that he had a rhythm to his life. Worked hard, but he knew how to rest. Okay, so I would say that, um, so let me just add to that now what science is finding and uh, what science is advocating. So many doctors are now using this word, tech-free Sabbath. Tech-free Sabbath for getting good, good mental health, i.e. a day off a week when you're not working. You're not on your phones, you're not even on technology. But that is an advice given for society, which is basically currently not focused on God at all or church, but it's all about self-indulgence and working. Okay, But where did they get that word Sabbath from? They got it from the Bible. So we know that one of God's commandments is that you shall honor the Sabbath. It was then the Old Testament. Jesus talked about it. So Jesus was living it as well. So we have to make sure in our lives we have this thing called a Sabbath. You can call it Sabbath, you can call it a day off. But it's a day where you rest. And rest not just as you just lie in bed all day doing nothing. Rest is where you choose intentionally to do things that refresh you, revive you, rejuvenate you. It could be playing football in the park with your mates. It could be cooking a meal. It could be going for a walk alone. It could be reading a book. Going to church is a rest for many people because it's part of worship, it's connecting with people, it's getting an inspiring message. But if you're a volunteer, and that involves getting up very early, working hard, staying up late, and to you it feels like work, you know, be the judge of, your, of yourself. What does it feel like to you? If it feels like work, be honest to yourself and make sure that you have another day that is your day off. So if you're working hard on the Sunday to make church happen, on that week, so hopefully you're not on duty every single week, because if you are, that raises an alarm bell for me. Okay, That's why we have teams, not that, so that one person or a group of people are not doing, serving the church in that capacity every single Sunday without a break. Okay, That will definitely lead to a burnout, to disillusionment with church, to getting annoyed with your leaders. We don't want to go down that route. So we want to serve the Lord with joy and gladness. We want to be um, extending the kingdom of God by serving, by making church happen. But if you're going to do that on a one particular Sunday, let's say, you make sure you have your Saturday off or another day off that you choose. It doesn't Don't get religious about which day it has to be. A day where you can have it off to do things that rejuvenate you, revive you. Uh, so does that help uh, answer that question, Melina? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's really good. And Dr. Dua, in this, we, we're heading into November now and into December and January, February, it's getting colder and colder and darker and darker. And in Denmark, we tend, and Malmö, we tend to just dip a little bit and 
Some will often feel that there is a winter depression coming or they would be a little bit fearful of the winter depression because that's what they've been discovered before. And what, how do we need to respond in this season? Like how can we, um, how can we prepare ourselves for the darkness? So the darkness stay outside and we keep the light inside. Like what would be some, some useful tips for us getting into this darker season? Okay, yeah, well, when we get into the darker season, you know, in this northern hemisphere where sunlight hours are changing, it's all about being creative with what we can do. And to and to really um, actually just have the realization that just because there's less sunlight in the day, it doesn't automatically mean that I'm going to end up with depression. Because light is not the only thing that causes my brain to to be to feel good, to be to feel happy, i.e., the opposite of depression. It's not just light, okay? But let me start with light, because and then I can give you some other tips of how we can prepare for the winter. What science has shown is that we all of us as human beings need only 15 to 30 minutes of exposure to daylight, and that's enough to lift our mood. How is the mood lifted? Because daylight, uh, the light rather, that bombards our retina, the back of our eye, then stimulates the release of certain chemicals in our brain like serotonin, oxytocin, uh, endorphins, that give us that feeling of feeling good and feeling positive. All the things that are the opposite, the very opposite of depression. Okay, so if we decide that as uh, days are getting darker, we just make a plan that we're going to just get out of our houses, sit in a patio or in the garden, and just look up at the sky, not at the light, I'm sorry, not at the sun, if the sun is shining. Obviously, we don't look directly at the sun, but if we just look at the sky or look in the surroundings and time our watches for 15 to 30 minutes... That light that hits your eyes is enough to stimulate production of all those good chemicals in your brain. So that's a great way to prevent the depression that could come if you just stay indoors or you just don't, you don't bother to go out because it's dark. Okay, so make that intentional effort in the morning. That's the first thing. The second thing is just to be aware that there are other things we can do that release those same chemicals that will make us depression-proof. So um, movement, for example, just getting your body moving is a wonderful way to release those good chemicals in the brain. And you could probably guess this, but as winter approaches, probably most of us are feeling a bit hesitant to go out, walk, or even run because we just think, oh, it's too cold, or I just can't be bothered. Well, fight that. Fight that natural inclination to just want to stay warm and cozy in your house and wrap yourself in the blanket. Just say to yourself, I want to treat my body to a walk. I want to treat my body to a run. Because as you start to move your muscles and do that brisk walk or run, your brain is releasing these wonderful chemicals that will lift your mood. So it's a great way to start the day. Yes, I've already said two tips. Go out and and then maybe you can combine them both. Walk when the sun is up, a brisk walk, so you're looking around at nature and you're walking 
your body for 15 to 30 minutes every morning. Another thing to lift your mood is to just watch what you eat. So um, I don't know how many people know this, but our gut have millions, if not, if not trillions of bacteria, good bacteria called my the microbiome. That's a name given to it. But if you f uh, feed those little bacteria good food, so food that is actually very much like the Mediterranean diet, foods with grain and oils, olive oils, lots of vegetables, especially brightly colored vegetables and a variety of it. Fish, fish, which I don't know, is it good in Denmark or is it not? I think it all depends on where it's flown in from, right? It's good in Denmark. It's good, Fish so there good you go. You're already, you know, uh, leagues ahead from many other countries. Eat things like the oily fish. Um, reduce your red meat because that can sometimes work against you with, with the mood. But if you feed yourself those healthy things every day, what actually happens is those gut bacteria become happy, they're smiling, they're jumping for joy, and they stimulate a whole network of nerves around your gut to release this amazing chemical called serotonin, which we all know is the thing that fights depression. Not only that, but messages go to your brain from your gut to say, release serotonin, release serotonin. So just even those three things, exposure to light, being intentionally moving more, eating healthy food, are three things we can do to um, make our brains resilient to depression and even anxiety. That is very, very helpful. Thank you so much, Dr. Dua. Thank you for joining us on the, this podcast. If there is, um, is there any place where we can get more resources? Where could we, if we want to hear a bit more about this, like where could we go? Where could we find more resources? Well, I've got lots of stuff that I've posted on my Instagram page called Dr. Lavanya Dua. I've also got a YouTube channel um, called The Same Thing, Dr. Lavanya Dua. And uh, it's just got some videos I've done on immune system and mental health and various things like that. You could even, if you just Google my name, you'll find some podcasts and some recordings of messages that I've done for Equippers Church London, Equippers Auckland. Those will come up. I've done things on addictions and worry and how to look after your heart, your emotional heart, various things like that. So, yeah, Wonderful. quite a few resources out there if you want them. Right, we do. We definitely need it. I saw a little a little video where you talked about eating the rainbow. Yes. I thought that was fun. Yes. <laughs> Eat the rainbow, two different colors with each meal and talking about vegetables and fruit and berries and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. So, nice. yes. And I think if I just want to say one more thing, Melina, is just to have this attitude in your mind, in your heart, that winter can be just a wonderful as a wonderful time for me as summer. Because I think half the battle is that as the days do get darker, a dread rises up in many people where they try they remember the times of the past when perhaps they have got depressed or other people have got depressed and they expect the worst. Okay, this is incredible. What you expect is actually what you get. Because if you expect to be ill, if you expect to have a bad winter and be depressed, 
It's almost like your body gets a message to say, oh, okay, prepare for this because that's what's going to happen. So how about if we just make a decision? We're going to expect to have the best winter, that our winter can be just as fun and enjoyable as a spring, as a summer. And then when you do that, your body automatically will start to get some creative ideas of things it can do, places to go, people to connect with. Sorry, I should have also mentioned that another thing that boosts us when boosts our brain and um, prevents depression is just connecting with people. Yes. I actually love the custom that you have in Denmark. Huga, yeah. did I say that correctly? Yeah. So just the whole thing of candles and blankets, but not just for you and you yourself and you all by yourself, which is also good. We all need that. Some people need that more than others. But use that whole concept to connect with people, maybe your connect group or your team at church or just your loved ones, and just have times of connection. When we connect with people in a really meaningful way, so not in a superficial way, but a meaningful way where we are heard, we felt heard, we felt listened to, not people telling us, do this, don't do that, you know, trying to generally advise us, but just people giving us an opportunity to just speak and just be heard and be loved. In those environments, our brain particularly releases something called oxytocin. And that works with serotonin to help us feel happy, feel loved. So the chemicals are released in the brain, but the body experiences feelings, wonderful feelings of happiness, contentment, and even stimulates the very thing we've been talking about earlier, which is purpose. Stimulates that of just, um, you know, body, brain, soul, spirit, all working together to just give you a, a hope that this winter is going to be my best winter yet. Amen. You know, it's like God is going to be revealing new things to me. God is maybe going to show me things that I can do in the winter that I can't do in the summer. Perhaps I can start writing. Or I can record some podcasts of my own. Right. I can start blogging. Or I can start to think of a charity that I can start to invest into because I didn't have time before because I was so busy enjoying myself in the summer holidays. But now I've got time. Do you see? So your mind starts to go somewhere else of helping, of impact, of influence. When you... Um, Feed your mind with the expectation that it's going to be a great winter. It's going to be a best winter and you're not going to get depressed. In fact, it's going to be the opposite. You're going to have energy. You're going to have life. You're going to have pas passion. Come on. Yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. what we want. That's, our, that's what I want for everyone who's listening. Yes. That you live your best life, not just like a cliche, not just something you heard or read somewhere, but literally it's what God wants for each one of us. That yeah. each season is, a, is better than the season before. Because God is a God of expansion. He's a God of increase. He never reverses. He's not in reverse gear. He's in forward gear. And we are led by him to go in that same direction. Wonderful. So to avoid the winter blues, get outside, exercise, eat well, watch what you're putting in your mouth, stay around people, see your loved ones and hang out with the people that you enjoy and have the, the good relationships. Yes. Right. Yes. And maybe yeah. I'll just add one more. Is oh, change your mindset. Change your mindset. Change your mindset. Yes. This is going to be the best winter ever. Change yes. your mindset. Yes. And one thing I'll just add, because it's very important to mention this, 
do not get in the trap of using the winter months to binge watch Netflix, television, yes. being on technology. Because the blue light that comes from technology, especially in the evenings, will actually interfere with your sleep cycle. So you'll find that you don't sleep well. So then you'll wake up tired. And when you wake up tired, the last thing you probably want to do in the natural is to go out, exercise. You won't want to eat healthy. Your brain will just say, oh, I don't feel so good. Give me some sugar. Give me loads of carbs, unhealthy carbs. And you'll just start to go down a slippery slope. So really be careful that maybe some of those bad habits you cultivated in the past of just using your winter evenings to just watch lots of television, be on your computer, that you actually really protect your eyes, yeah. protect your body from that and just develop these other habits of being with people or reading physical books, you know, with, a, with your light, a bedside lamp. And yeah, doing all of those things so that actually you protect yourself from even going down the route of depression. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. This has been really helpful, very practical, and I hope that everyone is enjoying listening to this. Maybe you need to listen to it one more time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to This Is Us podcast. Whether you listen to them as an individual or as a team, we hope that they add value to you. Make sure to click follow or subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you for joining us. We are who we are. This is us.